You're listening to Sci-Fi Fans, the podcast. Sci-Fi Fans is available as a TikTok channel as well as a YouTube channel. Thank you very much for joining me and enjoy the episode. Hi and welcome to Sci-Fi Fans. I'm Wayne and you can find my science fiction books on the Amazon bookstore. Just look for W.A. Blinko. They are called Broken Ceasefire and Xander's Salvation. Now, if you haven't already guessed, I am a big science fiction nerd and massive fan of the genre. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the film adaption of one of my favourite childhood cartoons, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. The soundtrack was composed by Billy Conte and was recorded by orchestras from all over Europe. Directed by Gary Goddard, the script was written by David Odell. It stars... Dolph Lomberg as He-Man, Frank Lagona as Skeletor, Courtney Cox as Julia Winston, Barry Livingston as Charlie, Christina Pickles as Sorceress, Mag Foster as Evil Lynn, Chelsea Field as Teela, John Cipher as Man-at-Arms, Billy Barty as Gwildor, Robert Duncan McHale as Kevin Corrigan, Anthony DeLongis as Blade, Tony Correll as Beastman, Pondas Mar as Sarood, Robert Towers as Carrick, and finally Peter Brooks was the narrator. The film would have an initial budget of $17 million, but this would increase to $22 million and become Canon Films' most expensive production of all time. Julia Winston's father is played by the film's stunt coordinator, Walter Scott. Frank Langella immediately agreed to play Skeletor after reading the script and his son was a massive He-Man fan, so he had great delight in telling him that he was in the film playing Skeletor. Producer Edward R. Prasima initiated the project by taking it to Canon Films, because they were the only studio willing to give the film the go-ahead. I think Warner Brothers were in the line as well, but they turned it down. Um, This was not He-Man's first big-screen adventure, though. In 1985, there was an animated film called He-Man, and She-Ra, the secret of the sword. The idea that Skeletor's crack troops were actually robots came from this um, crossover with She-Ra, as Codex's horde troopers were robots themselves. This was also the reason why the film was given a PG rating in America and England, because a lot of the violence that was instigated in the film wasn't against people, it was against machines. Much of the film, including the uh, music store battle and the scenes that have the uh, villains marching triumphantly down a street, were filmed in Witter, California. Incidentally, for the uh, miniature shots that were set on Earth, the special effects team at the time, or at Boss Film Studios, reused some of the buildings that were left over from Blade Runner and Ghostbusters in order to fill out the background. Um, So, yeah, I... Did actually, I'm a big fan of both of those films, so it's interesting to have that link to them. In the cartoon and toy selection, He-Man has a pet green and yellow tiger called Cringer. Cringer then transforms into Battle Cat, but because of the film's budget, they would have to have um, used expensive animatronics and build Battle Cat as a full-on replica. This was considered too expensive to make for the live-action film, so unfortunately we don't see Cringer. I've mentioned how some of the buildings had been repurposed from other films. Sarad's armour would actually be repurposed as well as the title character costume in Star Hunter. 
Something else that was reused from Back to the Future is the sound of the pink Cadillac stopping and powering down. This is actually the same sound that they used for the DeLorean in Back to the Future. For the throne room of Castle Greyskull, the set was placed on two adjoining sound stages, but they had to knock down a wall between the two sound stages to form one sound stage. <laughs> and this became the largest set Hollywood had actually seen for over 40 years. The whole He-Man franchise was created to advertise Mattel's toy range. And because of this, they stipulated from the beginning that He-Man could not kill anyone on screen which would kind of go against the mantra of He-Man anyway, because he doesn't kill anybody, period. Kind of like Batman, really. Anthony DeLoynes trained Dolph Lomberg to use the sword, and he also choreographed the fight scenes between He-Man and Blade. He also went on to play um, Skeletor in the final fight, instead of the actual actor, Frank Lanagella. I do get a bit tongue-tied sometimes, I apologise for that. Many of the actual buildings in the downtown areas featured in the film, unfortunately, are no longer still standing, as they were destroyed by the Whitlow Narrows earthquake in October 1987. At the time, people thought that um, Meg Foster was wearing contact lenses to give her character Evil Lynn, uh, Evil Lynn the look and appearance that she has on screen. In fact, she um, didn't have to use contact lenses because her eyes are naturally bluey grey with the iris and uh, they, she has tiny pupils so it kind of gives her that, that evil Lynn look perfectly natural. Her costume for evil Lynn weighed 45 pounds and she actually sustained bruises to her groin area because the breastplate she was wearing was um, constructed out of fibreglass and this restricted her movements. So that's why you never see evil Lynn sitting down. And this is something that Anthony Daniels had a problem with whilst playing C-3PO. But in his case, what they did was they undone his costume because some of the scenes that he has, he has to sit down, um, such as sitting on the Millennium Falcon. Anyway, back to He-Man. Dolph Lomberg performed all of his own stunts and this was also a cost-cutting exercise. They managed to trick Dolph Lomberg into doing his stunts because they said we couldn't afford a, um, a stuntman. Skeletor is um, one of the lines that he uses, I am not in the giving mood this day, was actually taken from Shakespeare's Richard III. Gary Goddard made his directorial debut on the film and um, they had to end filming three days early. And again, this was down to budget restraints. And so they said, you know, you've got to stop the film. And they did. They physically stopped filming three days early. Um, but Goddard was able to persuade Canon Films that he really needed to finish off filming particularly the fight scenes and the final scenes at the very end of the film. So he was granted permission to carry on filming after a bit of lobbying. The um, character Gwildor is not actually an original character and so he didn't have a toy or appear in any of the original cartoons but that changed after the film. Unfortunately, the fans, the film was a disappointment and it was also a disappointment commercially. So a sequel was actually in the works and they'd, they'd written the script. But by um, the late 80s, the popularity of He-Man had some, somehow, some, had waned somewhat, sorry. And the script was then transferred, transformed into the action film Cyborg. 
And that's something that happened to Alien 3. One of the scripts that was pitched but then rejected was turned out to uh, be pitch black. They, uh, the writer stuck with his idea and his principle and made what I believe to be one of the uh, greatest films sci-fi wise of all time. It's For me it's up there with Aliens and I actually quite like the entire franchise if I'm honest. The uh, Riddick universe has quite a, it's got its own style and it's you either like it or hate it and it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, so I've diversed again haven't I? <laughs> um, yeah if you haven't seen Pitch Black it is definitely worth a watch and the sequel is it takes a really different turn in the sequel but as I say I'm uh, I'm going off track here aren't I? This is about He-Man and if you watch until the very end credits of He-Man there is an extra scene where Skeletor actually says that he will return um, so they had all the plans and all of the intention to make the sequel, but unfortunately they never made it. Billy Barty actually received a Golden Raspberry Award nomination for Worst Supporting Actor for He-Man. Um, so yeah, it just kind of wraps it up, doesn't it, that it wasn't a great film. And I think, to be honest, it's kind of grown on me a bit over the years. It's still a bit of fun, and at the moment, at least, it's the only film version that we have of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I did see the uh, recent um, cartoon version which is available on Netflix and I'll leave it up to you to make your opinion about it. I didn't think it was too bad but that's where I'm going to finish this episode so thank you very much for stopping by and listening to me talk about He-Man and uh, please do come back next week for another exciting episode of Sci-Fi Fans. Thank you very much for your time and I'll see you then. Before I go, I'd just like to mention that I have a YouTube channel, Sci-Fi Fans, and TikTok channel, Sci-Fi Fans. I also have a website where you can find out about my latest projects and more about my books, and that's wayneblinko.com, W-A-Y-N-E-B-L-I-N-K-O.com. And uh, yeah, that's just where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on the other platforms. And um, yeah, take care of yourselves. Until next week. Bye.